0: It is truly uh, a joy to be with you guys, final Sunday, um, to the Sunday, uh, four years. Um, our first Sunday was first Sunday uh, of December 2018, and then now here, um, my last Sunday at Romeo was this Sunday, uh, 2018, before I came out here. So it's been amazing, and want to share with you guys a little more. Um, first, though, I want to... Uh, who's coming in next month? Um, I've known him for six years. Uh, when I came on staff at Woodside Romeo in 2017 uh, to serve as the student ministry director, he was serving in Lake Orion as a student ministry director. So we were partnered regionally and got to know him there, and then, of course, have known him uh, ever since. Um, and um, he has, in every step of his time at Woodside, succeeded and been effective as a minister of the gospel. He started out as an intern at Troy, as he shared with you guys last week, in the student ministry there, then led the student ministry at Lake Orion, now is doing outreach um, at Lake Orion, and at every step of the way, um, has proved effective and faithful and gifted in his ability to lead through the gospel and shepherd people, and uh, I'm confident that he'll be able to do the same here um, also, um, he's proven to be a man of integrity um, and live out what he teaches. Um, many people have known him for many years um, in his time at Woodside, and uh, we all are grateful to affirm his ministry and, and even then in stepping into this new role. Um, he loves his wife, he loves the Lord, and I'm really confident he's going to do well moving in here. It is a new change for him. Uh, like me, before I stepped into this position, I had never been a lead pastor before, and John hasn't either. So he's going to have ways that he needs to grow. He's going to be doing new things that he's never done before. Um, So I encourage you, pray for him um, and encourage him. Um, It'll make a huge difference in helping him have as fruitful of a ministry as I had while I was here. Um, But I've committed myself, at least over these next few months, uh, to be the one who prays for him most. uh, Because my heart is with him. And uh, really hopeful that he'll have an awesome experience here. Um, this has been a hard message to prepare. Um, I have spent a lot of time up here talking. I spent a lot of time up here talking. It's ridiculous how comfortable I feel up here. Um, <clears throat> so you'd think, you know, one more time, 20 to 30 minutes, not that hard, right? I can get this done. Um, but this has been a really hard message for me to prepare, and it hasn't come to me as naturally or easily as I'd hoped. Furthermore, uh, we're kind of in between sermon series. Uh, as Jen mentioned earlier, we start our Christmas sermon series um, in a, uh, our next Sunday, um, and we just finished up our fall sermon series uh, next our last Sunday. So this is sort of this lost Sunday in between. I don't have a set scheduled passage of scripture that I'm supposed to preach for you guys. Um, so Here's kind of where I landed as I thought about this. I just asked myself, what does my heart want to say to your hearts? Like if I could communicate just what I'm feeling towards you all in light of having been with you these last four years, what would it be? Normally, uh, my task each Sunday is just the opposite. Uh, Normally, my task is not to primarily communicate my word to you, but to communicate God's word in Scripture to you. Normally, my goal is not to share my heart, but to share the heart of Christ. Um, today, I'm being more personal than biblical, uh, but today is is not a normal Sunday. So hopefully, it's okay for me to do something a, a little bit different. There will be Scripture, and hopefully, um, <clears throat> the heart of Christ will come through. Um, but again, um, this is not Gonna happen next Sunday. We'll get back to uh, business as usual um, as we open up the Gospel of Matthew chapter one. Uh, Abe Phillips is actually gonna preach next Sunday before John gets here. So if you are a visitor, just know uh, we don't normally have like TED talk, uh, my heart to yours sort of Sundays. Okay, we take uh, we take the Bible and, and preaching really seriously. Um, but again, here's kind of where I landed on what is my heart want to say to yours, uh, this place, uh, these people, all of you guys uh, have meant so much to me over the years, and I'm just asking myself, if I could share with you, what would it be? And when I asked myself that really quickly, really easily, uh, these three things came to me. Uh, It was, thank you, I love you, and bless you. Uh, So first, um, thank you. Uh, Besides marrying my wife and being the father of my children, it has been the honor of my life to serve as the lead pastor of this church. Uh, Basically, since the fall of 2005, when I became a follower of Christ, just a few months after that, um, I knew that I wanted to be a pastor. I was about 20 years old and just starting to understand learn about Christianity, and I found out that it can be your job to teach the Bible. And I was like, uh, sign me up, that would be awesome. And so I began to take every opportunity that I could to preach. Uh, Nursing homes, college ministries, youth groups, chaplain ministries, where one or two would gather, there I would preach. Like, I didn't care. I just wanted to share God's word. And then I went to seminary. And I did all that. And after seminary, I came really close. I was the final of two candidates for two different lead pastor roles, one in 2015 and then another one in 2016. And they both fell through right at the very end of the process. They both, of these churches, said no to me. And it was crushing. Um, You can ask Meg. I kind of went into a a tailspin, kind of a quarter-life crisis, you know, Uh, just one (laughs) after the other, um, getting rejected for those jobs. But I look back on those losses, and I can see the wisdom of God. I look back on what were at the time such crushing experiences and I can see the wisdom of God because it was through those disappointments that he was preparing me. And in November of 2018, I showed up here and you guys said yes. You guys welcomed me as your lead pastor and so I want to say thank you. I will never, ever forget it, and you guys will hold a special place in my heart for that. I am aware that this position is a privilege. This position is a gift. And I want you to know that for the last four years, I have gladly received the gift of being in this position. I can honestly say that I didn't take A single day for granted. Every day I showed up here and I felt gratitude. Thank you, God. This is amazing. Your church in this place at this time with these people. What a gift. And so I thank God and I thank you all for giving me this opportunity. In Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17, the author says this. He's writing to the churches. And he says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this. Let them keep watch over your souls with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So the author is saying, let your leader's experience leading you be one of joy, not misery. Because as followers of the leader, you can make the leader's life miserable, right? By being hard to lead. You can resist, you can complain, you can ignore, and it makes it hard for the leader to lead. So the author here says, let your leaders keep watch over you with joy. Now, as we all know, the last four years have not been a cakewalk. Uh, the last four years have not been a cakewalk for the entire world. And our church has not been spared either. We have had some really hard days. And we still have weaknesses as a church. We are still not perfect by far. But I can say with all sincerity that when I think about this church, my predominant emotion is joy, it's gratitude. I feel loved here, I feel accepted here, I feel appreciated here, I feel safe here, I feel home. As your leader, by far, I mostly feel joy. And I thank you for this Hebrews 13 joyful experience. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he says to them, I give thanks to my God always for you. Because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. Now, if you know anything about the church in Corinth, it was really messed up. There was arrogance, immaturity of all sorts. And Paul goes on in the rest of the letter to rebuke the Corinthians numerous times over numerous different matters. Nevertheless, he is still able to say here in chapter 1 verse 4, I give thanks to my God Always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ. And you see, that's what makes the difference. Was the Corinthian church flawed? Yes. Is this church flawed? For sure. But just like Paul could see God's grace at work in the Corinthians, I have seen and I continue to see God's grace at work in you. When I look at you, sure, there's blemishes. Sure, there's imperfections. But when I look at you, I see the bride of Christ. And the Lord is beautifying you. He is purifying you more and more to make you into the people of God that you are. Church, hear me. You are the salt of the earth. You are a city on a hill. You are the light of the world. And God, by His grace, is doing His beautifying, purifying work in all of our hearts so that we can be who He made us to be, the Bride of Christ. And I have gotten a front row seat for the last four years seeing His gracious work at action in your lives. So I give thanks to my God always. When I think of this church, I don't complain. I don't moan. When I think of this church, I give thanks to my God always because of the grace of Christ that is at work in each one of you. And I trust that will continue to be at work. So first thing from my heart to yours is thank you. And thanks be to God. Secondly, I love you. When I was being interviewed for this role in the fall of 2018, during that process, one of the steps was a large group question and answer session. There was probably two dozen of you guys, key leaders, committed members at Woodside Pierre. some of you all who are still here. We were at Mike and Beth Oyster's home, uh, just south of here, and I shared about myself, my testimony, my calling to ministry, and then it was open mic night. And man, it was eye-opening. I'd heard about Woodside Lapeer, but it was then that I really found out about Woodside Lapeer. (laughs) And there was a lot of tough questions. There was a lot of honest questions. And it was very easy to sense a lot of frustration and a lot of struggle with Woodside and what had happened the previous two or three years. And Meg and I drove home that night, and we were pretty jarred, (laughs) like, Whoa. Can we step into this difficult situation and help them move forward? But as I reflected on that experience, it began to occur to me, you know, I don't think that these are just bitter people. I do not think that these are just angry, frustrated people. I think that they're hurting. Through the merger with Maple Grove, there was some glaring leadership failures on Woodside's part. And then the first two campus pastors that were hired lasted a very short time, about a year apiece. So the frustration and struggle that I was sensing was not coming from a place of bitterness and anger. It was really related to hurt and pain and disappointment for the previous few years. So as I stepped into this role, this thought became very crystallized in my mind, and I trusted it was from the Lord. And the thought was... I want to prove to these people that I love them. I want to prove to these people that I love them. And it's not, I love you, now I need you to serve in kidsmen. It's not, I love you, and now I need you to donate your money. It's not, I love you, and now I need something from you. No, I just love you. I love you, and I want you to love Jesus. That's it. I don't care if you never serve. I don't care if you never give. Whatever. I just want you to know that you're loved by me and by God. That's it. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, the apostle Paul is describing his presence and his ministry towards the church in Thessalonica. And he says this, He says, we never came to you with words of flattery, as you know, nor did we come to you with a pretext for greed. God is witness. Nor did we come to you seeking glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. We didn't do it. But when we came to you, we were gentle among you. We were like a nursing mother taking care of her own children, so being affectionately desirous of you. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you, church, had become very dear to us. Paul says that with the Thessalonian Christians, with the Thessalonian church, he was gentle as a nursing mother with her baby. And then similarly in verse 8, he says that he was affectionately desirous of this church. In other words, he didn't just love them in theory. No, he felt it. He was moved by desirous affection for the church of God. And then I love what he says at the end of the verse 8. He says, we not only shared with you the gospel, we shared with you our own selves. In other words, we shared our life with you. We shared our heart with you. We shared our homes with you. We shared meals with you. And this was my goal when I came here. I want to cultivate desirous affection for this church. I want to give them not only good sermons, I want to give them me. I want them to see my heart for Jesus, and I want them to see my heart for them. Now, let me say, I know that I have not done this perfectly. I have fallen short of Paul's example, and I have not loved you as well as I wanted to. And many of you are aware of those times because I have had to apologize to you. But you know, on the whole, on the whole, I think that God has been really gracious in helping me love you guys and in helping you guys know that I love you. And this has come out over the last few weeks and a lot of the conversations that I've had with you guys since I've shared that we're making this move. So many of you guys have expressed gracious words to me and shared big hugs with me and shared how much you love me and how much you felt loved by me. So I praise God for the way that he's given me love for you and the way that he's opened your hearts to me. And it's been an intense struggle to let you guys go. It's been really difficult to begin to move on because I love you. And that's part of what I still wanna say today here on my last Sunday. Thank you, I love you, and bless you. Now I know that when most of us, when most of us think of this phrase, bless you, we think of someone having just sneezed for some strange reason. It is our cultural practice of pronouncing blessing upon someone who just sneezed in our presence. It's especially weird when a stranger does it to you, you know? Or like somebody from across a room, you know? Like they have a conviction about it. Like, I'm going to bless whoever sneezes, you know? No idea why. I heard one time, maybe it's like an old wives' tale, I heard that when someone sneezes, it's because a demon is leaving their body. And so before the demon can comes back, you have to bless them real quick to like guard them from the demon getting back in. Now, I have no idea. I have no idea where that strange piece of unbiblical malarkey came from. <laughs> so I'm just going to say, let's just commit right now to say, excuse you. I mean, if you really do feel like blessing them and they just have to happen to sneeze, you know, great, but otherwise just say excuse you. But this is really important, I swear, because as unbiblical as blessing a sneeze person, blessing someone is profoundly biblical. Profoundly biblical. Our words don't just carry Sound vibrations through the air landing on people's eardrums. No, our words carry meaning. Our words carry power. Proverbs chapter 18, Solomon says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. You can kill with your words or you can give life. You can curse with your words or you can bless. Probably the most well-known blessing recorded in Scripture is from Numbers chapter 6. Many of you will be familiar with this. I usually say some version of this over my children at night when they go to bed. But it says this, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus shall you bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So Aaron and his descendants, who were going to be the priestly class, they were going to lead God's people in worship. Aaron and his descendants were to speak this word of blessing over the people. A word that on the one hand was appealing to the Lord, but it's spoken to the people. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. And the idea is that by speaking this word, he's helping to make it happen. Well, it's really interesting as the Apostle Paul finishes his different letters to each of the churches, this is exactly what was on his heart for them. He wanted to bless them. He wanted to speak a good word over them as he finished his writing. So at the end of his letter to the Romans, Paul says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you, church, may abound in hope. And at the end of 2 Thessalonians, he says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. And each one of his letters He ends it with this positive, life-giving word that he wants to speak into the hearts of the churches, a word that blesses them. And I can say that for me, sincerely, that is my heart. That is my desire as I finish my time here to speak a good word that I hope will bring life to your heart. And so Woodside here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Brothers and sisters, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. May the God of hope fill you with all peace so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Church, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. Woodside Lapeer, thank you. I love you and bless you.